two. And welcome to the Steelers Depot Monday live stream right on time, top of the hour, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. I am Alex Kazora. As always, joining me is Dave Bryan as we answer your Steelers questions for the next hour until 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Dave, we are exactly one month away from the Pittsburgh Steelers reporting to training camp, which means we're a month and a day from me venturing back out to Latrobe and St. Vincent College, and so the season is just about to kick off. Happy Monday. Were, were you throwing it to me? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I should have should have been clear. I'm a little rusty uh, here. Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Uh, we're, yeah, we're I, I am too. Been, been, been away for a bit. Been uh, somewhat unplugged. Uh, you, you can't never unplug from this thing completely. You know how that goes. But, uh, yeah, look, one month, one month to go, right? And we get into... Uh, the uh, uber slow time of the season, I, I, I would think for too long, the NFL network will start running at uh, top 100 players. I guess that's mm-hmm. uh, something semi to kind of kind of look forward to because and maybe a couple of radio interviews you know, or podcast interviews like what, you know, Cam Hayward just did, uh, I guess, within the last you know, 48 hours or so that we were able to write a little bit about today. And, you know, we'll see who pops up on Sirius uh, for some interviews here over the course of the next month. But uh, getting ready to get you back out to training camp and excited about that. Yep, excited for that as well. Again, Dave and I here are, are here until 8 p.m. Eastern time. May cut things short if the, if the chat is kind of slow, as we sort of expect this time of year. But we'll answer as many and hopefully all of your Steelers questions. For that top 100, Dave, is it just going to be the big three of... Cam, Minka, and Watt? Is there anybody? Well, A, will Cam make it? He should, but you never know. Is there anybody else that could sneak in? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, man, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think George Pickens did enough to, to, to slide in there at, you know, from 90 to 100. And obviously, Deontay Johnson, uh, with the season that he had, probably not going to slide into that 90 to 100 range. Uh, I doubt any of the offensive linemen uh, get in there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think I think you're looking at uh, what what, you know, uh, Hayward and, and, and Minka. Those will be the three that probably show up in there and it will be interesting to see where where Cam comes in, you know, on that list. All right, we'll start off the questions here with Matt Bell, who says, I've seen many Steeler fans complaining about the Steelers drafting from Maryland. Is there any truth to the thinking certain teams should avoid certain schools, or is this fan superstition? It's like 98% just nonsense. The old adage of don't scout the helmet, uh, scout the player. And so uh, generally speaking, you're not going to really get hyper-focused on the school. Um, Obviously, if there's a competition concern, then you're going to look at that, but that's obviously not the direction that question from Matt is going. So you're focusing on the player more so than where he played. Yeah, look, I mean... I mean, I, I understand. I mean, pe- people see the Steelers draft several of these guys out of Maryland in the last couple of uh, uh, what going back, what, three, four years ago, something like that. And then then, you know, thinking that they, you know, because of Mike Tomlin's kind of ties, you know, to that program and all. And uh, maybe that's in, in influence. But I mean, there's been some good players that have come out of that that program as well, too, that uh, uh, that 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 oh, 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 uh, who was that tight end Chig Okwankwo? Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't he come out of yep. out of Maryland? I mean, uh, now, look, that it's not like they are producing, you know, blue chip, 
uh, top two round players year in and year out. But uh, you know, I, it it's all independent on each and every player. You know, I, I don't think you can just look at the school overall and say, okay, don't draft from that school. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think you have to be open uh, to it. But I mean, I I, I definitely understand where you know some of the pushback yeah i mean but look i mean look at the 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 kid you got and we talked about him this morning on the podcast spencer anderson and all i mean uh on the surface you know for where they got him and the measurables and the position flexibility and you know athleticism i you know i think uh at least there's a glimmer of hope of what maybe he might even if he becomes a a backup for you a reliable backup for let's say three seasons you know uh you know, to get him in the seventh round, you know, in that, and, and if he sticks on the roster, I mean, is there anything wrong with that? I mean, you got, you know, uh, you, you, you're you not going to be drafting blue chippers, you know, in the sixth and seventh round every year, you know, on, sure. on top of it there. So I think it, I, I think it depends on each individual year and each individual player. Yeah, I'm with you. And, it, you know, some of the Maryland guys were earlier round types like Sean Davis, which, to me, it's not a Maryland issue. I think Pittsburgh really hurt Sean Davis by moving him around so much. But some of those were later round guys, Antoine Brooks Jr., Duran Gray. Those guys miss regardless of the school that they come from. So there's got to be some context in where those guys get picked as well. All right, Mutated Genome, our friend MG, back in the chat. Thank you for being here. He says, hello, Alex and Dave. Lots of activity at inside backers. Seems like no one is stepping up. What do you make of all the signings? I'm getting a little worried about who they will end up with. Yeah, I've had that that thought just in terms of here we go again with all the free agent retreads and trying to see if it works this time around. But I understand signing Kwiatkowski in terms of getting some better in-depth back there if they're truly not confident in Mark Robinson really being able to take that potential starting step this year. Then depth was going to be needed. That inside backer room did need a revamp and overhaul I think it's better this year. How much better? Eh, not to my liking, but they just wanted to get some new blood blood in that room. Yeah, and look, I mean, tr- trying to take the bits and inf- uh, pieces of info coming out of OTAs and mandatory mini camp and all, you know, that, that, that that's tough to do, to do. Obviously, we have uh, film on several of those guys from, from where they previously played and all like that. But, uh, you know, I'm going to reserve judgment on this thing until we get a little bit closer uh, to the season and, and, you know, get the training camp reports and obviously watch a couple of preseason games in there. But, I mean, it, it look, I, I said it this morning on the podcast as well. Well, too, if there's one, uh, one, one uh, position coach on, you know, on, on this staff right now that uh, I don't envy uh, his job, it'd be Aaron Curry because I mean you've had all, you know, all nearly a complete uh, upheaval of that inside linebacker room this off season. Uh, you got a new coach on top of it. You're talking about a position group that. Uh, has struggled for, you know, for lack of a better word, last couple of seasons. And, you know, they never really have uh, recovered uh, yet from, you know, uh, losing Ryan Chazier way too early. Right. You know, uh, when you think about inside linebackers, uh, uh, especially in the Steeders scheme and really, the, you know, the Steeders organization uh, uh, as a whole, you think about guys that uh, that make plays, right? Guys that that uh, that uh, uh, create the negative yardage plays uh, and and the guys that I mean, what, what was the stat that we were in with after uh, last season? You know, how, how many actual uh, splash plays did did the linebacker group, you know, inside linebacker group make last year? Uh, how, you know, 
go back the last couple of years, you know, uh, mm. it, it really has been an underperforming position group uh, for the Steelers. And uh, even if they do make, you know, some steps forward with that position group uh, in 2023, you kind of wonder how big of a, a step forward that will be. And, and regardless you, it still feels like they're going to come out of this 2023 season uh, into the 2024 draft, really needing to address that position early in, you know, in the, in the draft. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what the long-term outlook of anybody in that room is. I think Cole Holcomb will be here at least two years. The quality of that play we'll see. To me, Landon Roberts is probably a one-and-done kind of guy. Obviously, Kwiatkowski on a one-year deal. Mark Robinson, I have some confidence in, but obviously he's still a ways away. It may not get to play that much, it sounds like, in 2023. So we'll just have to, to wait and see. But uh, it's a fair thought overall there, mutated genome. Uh, refreshing the uh, chat here, seeing some comments about the top 100. Patrick Peterson, I don't think Patrick Peterson makes a top 100. I don't think there's a chance he does. I'd be shocked. If you want to give one name, I think it maybe Alex Highsmith could sneak into that 90 to 100 range coming off that breakout 14 and a half sack season. I think he could be a guy. I don't think it'll be Deontay or Fryer. Maybe, maybe Fryermuth. What about Fryermuth? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, you you look at what back to back, what sixty something catch seasons, yeah. and uh, who was the other one? Uh, who was the other Eagles? Uh, Keith Jackson. Uh, yeah, was it Keith Jackson? Mm-hmm. With uh, two straight seasons with sixty receptions. Right. I mean, th- that's a, and obviously you're supposed to only look at it at one season at a time. But uh, uh, I mean, I, I he maybe he's done enough to get into that ninety to hundred range. I wouldn't expect him to be any higher than mm-hmm. that. Same. But uh, if there is a fourth guy on this list, I mean, and I know a lot of people probably say Najee, but I mean, Najee, you know, was it an overly impressive season for, 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 for Najee in 2023? You know, no, uh, would be the short answer to that. I think, I mean, the, the, you know, uh, they obviously got traction a little bit later in the year with the running game and, and all like that. So yeah, you could probably pick a handful of guys, you know, like, like uh, Highsmith and Fryermuth to may- maybe slide in there. But if they did, I-, 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 I couldn't see it being higher than 90. Sure. If they do, it'll be on that first initial list of 10, if they make it at all. And by the way, before we jump back into the questions, go check out Dave Bryant's the start of the 2023 90 and 30 series. How long have you been doing this? He's been doing this for a couple of years now. Right? Uh, it's about, I think, what, this is like the third or okay. third or fourth year, I think, uh, I, I, I've done this now. Maybe this is the third, I think, that I've done it now. It's a good training camp primer to get you ready for the start of the summer. And so the first three in alphabetical order, Montrevious Adams, Spencer Anderson, and Calvin Austin the third. I'll scroll through it as we talk here. And as we get to Mike Adesso's question, which is peak offseason question, but a fair one. And I'm not uh, making fun of the question here. He says, Typical radio show off-season discussion, and to be clear, I like Tomlin as a coach, but wondering where he fits in your eyes among his peers, elite, above average, average or below, 1 through 10, 11 through 20, 21 through 32. I saw this conversation kind of kick up on Twitter the other day. I was staying far away from it. I did not want to engage in all that. I don't know if I think about in terms of elite versus great. I don't know if I use those words when I try to think about you know any head coach or Mike Tomlin and his job. You know, if I had to rank him in terms of where he would be among his peers, I don't know for sure. He'd probably be around five or six. I don't have a list in front of me. I just look at really, you know, him as a coach and his strengths and weaknesses more so than I look at some of the superlatives of it all. 
Yeah, look, I mean, I, I view Tomlin as the top seven, you know, uh, six, seven coach in the NFL. Uh, I mean, I, you go back to even last season. You know, I, I really think what he was able to do uh, with that group, uh, especially in the second half of the season, and, you know, to, to, to once again, and, and look, once again, we, we're not talking about printing bumper stickers here uh, about uh, consecutive, you know, uh, seasons without a losing season. That's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that, 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 that's, you know, that, that's a, that's a trophy. Nobody, you know, really needs to, to talk about there, but uh, overall, I think he is a good leader of men. First and foremost, uh, I think players year in, year out, know what they are going to get uh, from him. Uh, I think he's even said, you know, not all players are 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 treated, you know, equal, mm-hmm. uh, depending on on their style. I think we've seen that in action over the years. Really, I think the most concern every every fan base wants their team to win win the Super Bowl every year. Uh, and when it comes to the Steelers specifically, the fan base expects to have champions, you know, at least one championship every couple of years. You know, uh, and the fact that he's the the biggest factor when it comes to Mike Tomlin here today on June 26th is the string of seasons that he's had now without a playoff win. That is mm-hmm. uh, the most concerning thing. Now, would we be talking had they beaten the Browns a couple of years ago in that you know in in that playoff game? Uh, the goalposts would be moved sure. uh, uh, to some degree, but uh, and assuming they didn't go on to win, you know, the the the, the Super Bowl that year. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, I think Mike Tomlin is a fine coach. I have uh, I, I, the rumblings, however, should get louder. You know, if we if we're if that string goes you know, another year or two here without winning at least a playoff game. Mm-hmm. And, and, and once again, the bar shouldn't be just way. Oh, you know, congrats. They, they made it in the playoffs and they, 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 they won a playoff game. you got a new direction of this team. Now you got a new young quarterback. Uh, you know, you've obviously invested heavily in this offensive line. Uh, this team's gone out and, 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 you know, made semi splashes in free agency. Once again, uh, in the NFL, you can have a bad season. You can turn around and, and have a good draft, make a couple of moves and you can be back competing for this thing again. Look, look at the Bengals, right. You know, uh, and, and what they've been able to do in, in, in such a quick time here. And that's not an organization that goes out, and spends a lot of money in free agency, right? They, mm-hmm. they build, they build through the draft. Uh, they build, uh, through trying to re-sign their own, you know, free agents, uh, modestly at that when they can, uh, obviously, if they have to be top, look, look at Bates. They they ended up uh, not doing anything with Bates. You know, one of their uh, better draft selections over the years as well, too. There, so uh, the rumbling should get louder after this season. Should this team not get into the playoffs and win uh, at least one playoff game? Now, do I think he'll get fired if they don't? No, but the rumblings should get louder because this is uncharted territory uh, for the Steelers organization to be in to go this amount of years without at least one playoff win. I think you said it really well, Dave, and those are basically echoing all of my thoughts. I'm somebody that can respect and appreciate the never had a losing season stat, but they don't hang banners for that in Pittsburgh. They put trophies in trophy cases. I know that's hard to do. It's not always going to happen. You know, we can't set the expectation consistently that high, but I kind of low with the whole never had a losing season. It's not 
it, that's not the standard in Pittsburgh. And I think the pressure really has to be on in 2023 for this team to not, not only get back into the playoffs, which they're kind of expected to, to do, but to win a playoff game and really kind of break that drought of not winning one since 2016. That that streak has gone on for far too long. And yeah, there's been some obstacles and some difficult years. 2019, last season, are all good examples of that. I understand why things were turbulent last year, but this team has to get back to meeting its real standard. And it does not mean they have to win the Super Bowl every single year, but there really has to feel like there's progression and traction and true competitiveness in a very tough AFC North and AFC. And so to me, it's a you know, pretty important year and good litmus test, uh, age 2023. Look, got to get back to dominating that division first and foremost that, that, you know, you, you win that division, <laughs> you know, you've done something now. And, uh, uh, you know, that's something that, that, you know, in 2023, you know, three, I don't think three and three is going to be good enough. You know, I, I, I think you got to go four and two or, or better in this division, uh, to, 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 to make some noise. And if you do do that and you do win the division, I think you're setting yourself up uh, to, to at least win a playoff game or two. I hear that four and two would be the goal, but the Bengals went three and three last year. The whole AFC North went three and three against each other. And so they all kind of, I think that was your prediction that you would call. They all would beat up on each other and kind of have it pretty tight throughout. And that seemed to be the case, but yeah, four and two, if you do that in the AFC North, then you're really going to set yourself up for success come you know, early January. All right, uh, be sure, I forgot to mention this, be sure to hit the like button and subscribe to the channel. I'll have a new, another video on Kenny Pickett, a shorter one, but another video on Pickett coming out in the next day or two. So be sure to uh, turn on notifications for that. Appreciate you guys being here. Uh, George says, hello. Josh says, sitting in a storm in Columbus that you're probably about to see by the time the stream is done. Alex, yeah, it's been spitting and raining all day, so I'm sure we're going to get it here Pretty soon, uh, George asks, will Keanu Neal get a lot of work as a coverage linebacker? You know, we'll see how dime packages look. I really want to see how that unfolds. There's kind of a lot of unknowns right now. You know, how versatile will Patrick Peterson truly be? Demonte Casey's role, Neal's role, slot corner type stuff. So I could see that. That's kind of what Edmonds took on later last year when Casey came back. And so I could see similar happening with Keanu Neal, but it's kind of a wait and see and just evaluate this group come camp and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think you, 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 you've got the pulse on it right there. And, uh, it it is going to be interesting to see, uh, how Neil can fit in, into this defense, uh, a healthy Casey for hopefully for a full season, obviously Patrick Peterson coming in and the experience, you know, that he has and, you know, how are they going to go about, you know, replacing the versatility of Cameron Sutton? you know, mm-hmm. in, 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 in that defense there. So, uh, you know, they, they've got a lot of guys though that have played a lot of, you know, a, a good chunk of that secondary has obviously played a lot of ball in the NFL, but they haven't played together. So, right. uh, you know, you kind of wonder how many, how many, how much, what the growing pains might look like early, you know? Right. I've talked about that quite a bit where I think it won't be as bad as the offensive growing pains were last year because the offense was so young and so much newer to the NFL than the defense is this year. But there are going to be some of those issues, I believe, especially early in the season. So I think if there's one critique of Omar Khan in the Steelers offseason, which overall I think was very strong and they got better, there's no doubt about that. But if there's one mistake they made, 
it was letting Cam Sutton walk to Detroit and replacing with Patrick Peterson. I think they're going to come to regret that, that set of moves. All right, next question comes from Joshua Dade, who says, Good evening, everyone. My question is, if anyone is curious if relying on the run game is a good idea, looking at the Cowboys' offense, for instance, they relied on the run but needed the pass to score. Dave, we've had these conversations quite a bit about the philosophy, the model, the Pittsburgh's building. It's run-centric. Is that the right approach, Dave, do you think? I think the, the uh, you know going into... Kenny Pickett's second year here. I think uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, focusing on the run game to see how it can potentially you know help uh, uh, open up the passing game and specifically open up uh, you know more deeper shots down the field. Uh, getting uh, teams out of those two high looks, I think. Uh, could pay some dividends with this team. You got obviously guys like George Pickens who can stretch the field. Hopefully Calvin Austin will be that kind of player as well too. So uh, w- without a doubt, the way this uh, roster and, and, and look, they've, they've said as much, right? Uh, Weidel and, and Khan. I mean, they, they want to have uh, the, an actual identity uh, first and foremost, and second, you know, that identity be being a physical team. And it's going to start with, uh, with running the football. And if you are able to run successfully, especially on first downs, uh, you know, four and a half more yards or more and, and do that, you know, uh, at a clip of 55% or better, the byproduct of that should be that it opens up your passing game to some degree. So uh, with a second year quarterback and with a rebuilt offensive line and a couple of young receivers in there. Yeah. I have no issue with that uh, being the MO. Uh, However, comma, you know, if you're not able to run the football, like you think that you want to be able to run the football, what's it going to look like then? Yeah. Nothing good. Yeah. I, I, I get what they're doing. I mean, they went seven and two the back half of last year on the backs of the run game. So they're going to, you can't ignore the success there and, you know, blame them for carrying that approach and hopefully just bettering it this off season. But I think, uh, who was a Josh, Joshua was right where this, this past game has to, to be more than just the sidecar and has to be able to create big plays that you've talked about so much. It can't just be a pure run based element. And you do wonder well, I think Pittsburgh's model can get them competitive and make the playoffs and maybe even win a playoff game. Can you beat Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or Josh Allen or those really potent offenses that score at will with this model? You know, you have a good defense. You hope you keep the score down, play ball control, keep the opposing offense off the field. I just don't know if that's going to be the model that's going to take you to a Super Bowl. I think you can make it competitive and consistent. Can it get you over the hump? That's my long-term concern got to score more points <laughs> that is mr canada thank you for coming to the chat uh no it's, uh, they do they do uh, a guest says how confident are you in calvin austin i think he could be huge for this offense that is in desperate need of a playmaker but his size still worries me so speaking of big plays we talked about this on the podcast hopefully austin can supply that am i confident in the guy i can't be never seeing him play in an nfl game you know it's all kind of wait and see mode i'm hopeful i'm optimistic i think he can make some of these plays but am i confident in that would i bet on that without seeing the guy inside a stadium i can't can't get there right now i'm cautiously optimistic uh when it comes to him and uh once again i and you know i i mentioned this in my 90 and 30 series on him uh that i wrote about uh this morning and uh talked about it again on the podcast this morning 
when I think of Calvin Austin and what he could potentially bring uh, to this offense in 2023 is the explosive play aspect there. There's no doubt. And, and I think I went over some of the stats. I uh, already had a good chunk of the stats for that one post not too long ago on Calvin Austin. And and uh, obviously PFF uh, got me some more data on it from where he ranked in college. I mean, he had a very high percent, high explosive play percentage in college, but it was in college. It was in, you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a little bit lesser conference, right? You mm-hmm. know, playing at Memphis there but uh the the you know the skill set uh, the ability to to you know break a tackle or two the, the the ability to run after the catch is obviously there and it's not like he just did it for one season there right he right. did it you know for three and what was it a game or or two you know i think he had a an extra play there in in, in his first season there but uh and i i'm not expecting calvin austin to come in to be the every down slot or or anything like that but i do expect you know the expectations for him i think are uh to be a a guy that can log X amount of snaps, a guy that doesn't touch the football every time he's on the field. However, when he is on the field and he does touch the football, I'd like to see a healthy explosive play rate, you know, and yeah, some of that's going to come from jet sweeps. Yeah. Some of it's going to come from wide receiver screens and, and those kind of things. But uh, that that's, when I think about him and the prospects of him, what a good season looks like for him in 2023, it is just that. It's a high uh, percentage of explosive plays, or at least those that are going, you know, 17, 18, 19 mm-hmm. yards uh, uh, kind of thing. Things that can eat up chunks of yardage, uh, something that this offense has really has struggled with now for a couple seasons. To get those big plays, you can do it vertically through air yards or horizontally with yards after the catch. And there should be a healthy mix of both with Calvin Austin. He shouldn't be pigeonholed into just one thing. I'd probably be more concerned about him being Ryan Switzer or Ray Ray McLeod, where they just throw a bunch of his short stuff and his A dots like negative point oh one. And you don't right. want that to happen with Austin and, and hopefully that it won't. He's a more complete and true established receiver than some of those other guys, but it sounds like they're going to really use him all over the field, and so we'll see how that looks. Uh, let's see. Question comes from Mike Adesso. says, thinking about Randall L. today after the podcast has me wondering, do any of the current Steelers offensive players have any history of quarterback play? Sure it would be cool to bring some of those trick plays back. I think Deontay played some quarterback growing up. Zach Gentry, of course, a tight end or a quarterback at New Mexico and briefly was there at Michigan before moving to wide receiver and then tight end. But there really isn't that gadget guy like Ward and Randall L. Right. There really isn't. And I, I, I sign me up for not seeing Zach Gentry. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if that's happening. Problems are, are occurring. 007, what do you think about the Steelers plan on putting Kendrick Green back at the center position? Dave, your thoughts at Green back at center. Uh, well, look, I mean, where else you, where else you going to put them to, to actually give them a chance to make, make the roster at this point. It would would be Mm -hmm. the first way that I attack that. Uh, second of all, uh, I, I still view if, if you're looking at a potential hole that this team could fill between now and, uh, the start of training camp, or even started a regular season, it could be, you know, a backup center spot. Uh, Kendrick Green's going to have to uh, make me a believer with his play. He's going to have to stay off the ground. First and foremost, uh, 
and he's going to have to be more physical and be able to be able to compete more, not only as a run blocker, but as, as a pass protector as well, too. Uh, I took a lot of, you know what, uh, five, about five games into his rookie season there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, credit, you know, pointing out some of the things that uh, didn't look great when it when it came to him. And the fact that they hung on with him as long as they did his rookie season, I mean, he was over his head. Everybody knew he was over over his head. Uh, and it took until late into the season to finally for, for him to get sat down there. Uh, you know, he talked about, you know, basically coming in and, and being, you know, thrust into the position. And you, you wrote and talked about this recently about how, you know, it's not, you know, he uh, – he was behind the eight ball to start with there, and it was a bad bad evaluation on him. Mm-hmm. Am I am I am I surprised that he might open up training camp as the as the backup center? No, because I mean, who else do you have? McCollum, you know. Uh, Anderson, but, maybe if he gets reps there. And, and I wrote about that this morning. Yeah. It, 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 but it there's not enough concrete evidence right at this moment to say that they're going to look at him long and hard as a backup center. Sure. There's a part of me that hopes they do, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, I looked at his, his uh, he played enough center in, in, in at Maryland that you have at least a, a, enough of a selection to look at. And you know, was it awful? He played uh, more center than Kendrick Green played center right, in college, right. you know? So, so if you were willing to go down that road with Kendrick Green, why wouldn't you go down that road with, with, with a guy like Spencer, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Spencer Anderson there as well, too? So uh, once again, will I be shocked if they give him a chance to open up camp as, as the number two? No. Uh, I think it will be concerning, though, if you enter the season with him as the number two, if, if we just don't see – you know, oodles of strides in his game the rest of the summer. Right. All of that is fair. You know, what's his best position? I don't know. It's really neither is the, 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 the sarcastic answer to give. I think he's a more natural fit at guard, probably more comfortable there. You know, but just small either guards way, don't either work. Way, you're not, you're not going to be effective to your offense if you're on the ground as much yeah. as he is, wherever you play. Right, but I think, as you said, the opportunity at center is more so than at guard, so play him at center and hope for the best there, I think, is is really their calculation. Uh, Let's see what we have here. The next question is I'm getting some of the storms that I think Josh was, or uh, somebody was talking about that was, yeah, that was Josh that was saying that. Uh, Let's see, we have a question from Nick, who says, I've been absent a while from the stream, so welcome back, Nick. Is Benton more than likely going to start? I'm not familiar with his game in college. He should start. I think second-round pick, no tackle, coming from a pretty pro-style defense like Wisconsin. I would be disappointed and surprised if Keanu Benton was not the week one starter in base defense against the San Francisco 49ers. I tell you, when you come, uh, when you when you when you come and you look at the, uh, the 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 draft class as a whole, and you know we don't get to study uh, many, if you know very many of these guys before actual Senior Bowl uh, gets underway every year. But I mean, you came right out of the shoot and and properly identified uh, him as a target, uh, not only from a measurable uh, standpoint, and this will be in my write up uh, because he'll be part of the. Uh, uh, 
uh, 90, and, series, yeah, yeah. 90 and 30 series tomorrow morning there. And, you know, I specifically wrote in there that, uh, you know, his, where he played uh, and, and and there's been some conversation about that as well, too. You know, Wisconsin does a lot of things that the Steelers like to mm-hmm. do defensively. That makes that helps kind of make that projection, if you will, a little bit easier uh, there when it comes to him. And then now look at the the, the, the depth chart on top of it. Uh, Montrevious Adams was a guy that got you know, predominantly most of those snaps in the middle uh, last year. You do have some interesting ads this year, defensive tackle uh, uh, types in, in, in Armand Watts and, and Braden Fajoko there. But even so, you're talking about a guy that you have pedigree in now, uh, one of your own in Benton. And it's not like he was just a three-year or two-year player at Wisconsin either, right? You know, he right. he logged, what was it? What did I have? Over 1,300 snaps, I think, uh, on, on defense. And that was even with all the COVID uh, stuff and all like that. So, yeah, the it, it, it the the project or the hope obviously should be that he can come in and 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 do the enough things during training camp that he outright wins that you know starting job in the middle there uh however comma you know how shocking would it be if they kind of ease him into you know give him playing time right out of the shoot but kind of platoon him maybe with a guy like Fajoko right. or something like that you know but by by week five, week six of the season, regardless of how this thing goes at the start, you would expect him to be in there, be be uh, uh, whenever they're in base to be the guy in there. Sure, there could be some amount of, of rotation, although he's not a guy that's going to play a hundred percent of the snaps anyway. So you don't he, he's kind of naturally eased in by not being an all down all situation guy. Although I think he can play in sub, I think he can play up and down the line, but probably to start, he's more base. 3-4, kind of simplify that role and kind of allow them to focus on just the A-gaps to to start and expand from there. So uh, bottom line is I think Ben is going to be a starter, and if he's not, then I'll I'll be pretty disappointed. Next question is uh, actually from David Kapoor, who wants to hear more about Dave's vacation, if he's willing to share. What's uh, Name something you did uh, up in Salt Lake City you did there, Dave. Oh, man, we went uh, out to the Bonneville Salt Flats uh, out there in Salt Lake City. That's about an hour and a half drive going and then uh, coming back. Uh, it's unfortunate that it's that far away. Uh, we went up to the Olympic Village up there, you know, Park City uh, area and all like that and spent a full day uh, up in there and kind of drove the loop all the way back down through uh, and just beautiful scenery, especially this time of year up there. Cause there's still snow up on top of the mountains and all, uh, up there. So it was a very relaxing and scenic drive in and of itself, uh, the day that we're up there and man, there's a lot, I didn't realize there was that much to do up there at kind of that, you know, they had Salt Lake city was obviously the host of the Olympics back in what 2002. So everything's still there and, P- and they, they still have people, you know, athletes out there that train out there a- mm. as well too. Uh, so that was quite, and you know, if we had more time to, to, uh, dedicate there, you know, they've got, uh, simulations that you can, uh, ride and, and do all like that. And they, still obviously have the uh uh the ski lift that goes all the way up up to the top and brings you back down so that was interesting there uh we went out to the ore mine uh there which is just massive mm-hmm. and hard to wrap your 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 brain around and uh in town in salt lake city the last day we were there uh, took a couple. We like taking those tours and all like that, learning more about the city and all like that. So we 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 crammed quite a bit into like three and a half days that we were there. Good. I'm glad you guys had a good time. 
John Pennington says, Dave, or says, hello, Dave and Alex, and our good friend John back in the chat. Is there anything in the CBA about how to pay Joey Porter Jr. because of the pick 32? Kind of give us a 30,000-foot view of why Porter's contract has yet to be signed. Look, uh, you know, it's all about slotting uh, overall. And really, there's not that much that's negotiable when it comes to the rookie contracts because they're based off of uh, uh, the cap and and, and everything associated with that. So, you know, that there's there's not a lot of uh, negotiation uh, when it comes to that, where the negotiation gets comes into play, especially starting around, you know, we just saw this with 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 Keanu Benton as well to around pick 48, 49. You start uh, talking more about the guarantees and uh, specifically guarantees uh, of like the third and the fourth years and, and things along those lines. Now, when, when you're talking about first round picks overall, those, those contracts are, 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 are fully guaranteed. And really the only negotiations when it comes to those first round uh, types is uh, the, the payment schedule of like the signing bonus uh, there. That's that, that was more than likely the biggest hangup when it came to uh, uh, Broderick Jones being signed. When you're talking about a guy like Joey Porter in the situation he's in, and we've talked about this several times, you know, he was a 32nd overall selection in the draft, and normally uh, a 32nd overall selection is a first-round pick. Well, for obvious reasons, that's not considered a first-round draft pick this year. <clears throat> this year, it was the first pick of uh, the second round, but. That's not going to keep that his agent, his side for trying to press uh, for as much guaranteed money uh, as, as they can. And, uh, you know, picked one at one pick after Porter this year was obviously Will Levis and him being a quarterback is going to make this an, an, an interesting uh, conversation as well, too. The trend of this year's second round selection so far to date now has. Uh, uh, Levis, I think, on track to get 25% of his fourth and final year fully guaranteed. Well, his agent might press for the Titans for, for a higher percentage number than that with him being a, a, a quarterback. Mm -hmm. So the Levis side might also be waiting to see what percentage of, of Porter's fourth and final year is fully, you know, is fully guaranteed so they can negotiate off that. Those two guys are probably going to make the be, be the biggest jump from the rest of the class as far as the percentage of, of, of the fourth year guarantees go. Now, while the signings so far below Porter to date uh, dictate that he should have, if you, because it's been, it seems to be bumping up like 5% uh, each player there, uh, you would look at it and say, okay, well, well Joey Porter Jr. is on track to get 30% of his fourth and final year fully guaranteed. Uh, that's not, that's probably not going to be good enough for their side. I, I, I foresee them trying to haggle this thing somewhere between probably right around 75% of his fourth and final year to be uh, fully guaranteed. I, you know, the, the Steelers aren't going to budge and cave and give him the fully gear. I don't think they are fully guaranteed all four years. I think where the haggling is going to come in is somewhere probably between 90 and 30% of his fourth and final year uh, uh, being fully guaranteed. Now, within that, there there might be some some talks about wh how that sign the time frame of that signing bonus gets signed too. Right. But uh, I don't think the Steelers are going to give too much there. Overall, they they might pr present this thing as you know what do you what what's more important to you, haggling about 
the payout of uh, of the signing bonus, uh, the time frame of that, or the percentage of the fourth and final year uh, uh, guaranteed there. So that that's been the hot, the biggest holdup uh, related to this. It's it's been sort of predictable that we've been talking about for a couple weeks when it comes to him and. A lot of that stems from him being a 32nd overall pick, whereas normally the the first pick of the uh, uh, second round is the 33rd overall pick. But bottom line is you still expect a deal to get signed before training camp, correct? Oh, yeah. I, I would think probably even with hope or a hope within a couple of weeks to spare in there. I mean, uh, all that you're starting to see more and more of these second rounders start coming to terms now. And really, Keanu Benton, where he was in all this, was kind of one of those major, I, I consider it to be a major domino as well, too, because he was right in the middle of a pack of second round picks that were unsigned right. uh, there. So you should start seeing uh, players on on definitely ahead of him. Uh, but you know, uh, probably a few because every agent wants to push that 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 line in the sand down. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to bet that a lot of the uh, being as how it's moved one spot now from where it was what last year. There, I bet a lot you see a lot of teams draw the line at, at, at Keanu Benton. But ahead of him, a lot of teams are going to start negotiating, you know, off of uh, probably of Benton. So I would expect some of those guys that were drafted ahead of Benton uh, to start coming to try. And I think one or two of them already have. Uh, since he signed his deal there, but the 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 standoff that's going to be fun to watch, I think, is going to come down to Porter and Levis. Right. Uh, and that's why I think there's a decent chance that one of those two might be the final uh, member of the draft class uh, overall to 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 sign their rookie deal. Who blinks first? Who signs first? That's what we'll be watching for when it comes to Will Levis and Joey Porter Jr. Got a $5 super chat from Alex Kennedy, a fellow Alex, who says, Do you find any other validity to the notion that Tomlin is overrated beyond the critique that we have not been to the playoffs in a while? So I guess the question is, is there anything else that could potentially make Tomlin overrated other than a team's lack of recent playoff success? My answer to that would be not really. I think obviously the proof is in the pudding and you're judged by the results and the recent results or not even all that recent results have not been up to the Steelers standard and that's probably the chief critique of Mike Tomlin. There's really nothing about him in terms of a leader, motivational guy. I mean, some people think he gives players too much leeway, allows them to be too much like themselves and can try to cite AB and some of the headaches uh, there with Claypool and others, but... I think the chief critique is that people just, you know, are expecting more from him and more from this team, and some of that is certainly fair. Look, hey, you know, the, the, and this goes back to what we talked about earlier. The major, the major critique with him right now is, hey, w- w- it's time to, it's time to win a playoff game or two. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? Yeah. And that is the NFL. So that you know, is. But I mean, overall, no, I don't, I don't. Uh, I don't think he's he's overrated or underrated personally in in any other area. Once again, I mean, you you talk a. Uh, is it a bad thing that 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 players want to play for him? No, I I would hope not. I don't know who would argue so. You know, is he is he not rigid? Enough? You know, I guess some would say he's not rigid enough with 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 some of these um, more veteran types. I guess, but uh, I mean, you you to me, you kind of earn that stuff. You know. Mm-hmm. All right, good question, though, from Alex, and appreciate the super chat. Run Bayou says, you think something is going to be done about running back compensation at the next CBA? I mean, A, that's a while from now. That's, what, 2030 when that comes up, uh, comes due. 
I doubt it. I'm not sure what could be done. I think I heard, I think it was Mike Florio said something about, you know, taking the pay scale for running backs and combining it with the skill guys, the receivers and tight ends, you know, who would hate doing that, the receivers and tight ends. So they're not going to, they're not going to go for that. So I don't know. I have not given it much thought. That's not, you know, my wheelhouse, obviously, but I don't think the CBA will have a carve out for running backs, but run by you makes the point. And it's a, it's a very accurate one when he says, Guys get run into the ground on the rookie deal, and then no one wants to pay a second contract because they've been run into the ground. So it's a fair position. Najee Harris might be feeling that squeeze here soon, and it's a it's a it's a fair talking point. Mama, don't let your babies grow up to be running backs. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, that that would be my first uh, answer to that. Second of all, you got to have major unification with the players, and it's just something you're not going to get because you have. Uh, more have nots related to the league than you have haves, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the high earning players will tell the younger players. Yeah. You guys need to band together and we need to force some sort of, you know, a lockout or, or, or strike and all like that. Uh, while you guys negotiate and get better turns for yourselves in the meantime, yeah, I'm making I'm making eighteen million dollars a year. Take as much time as you want, <laughs> you know. But you have, you, you, when it comes to push comes comes to shove with with the majority of players who are bottom, you know, for for the most part, you know, year three or or or, or under, and and on that scale, and a lot of them haven't hit the second contracts. There, those guys can't go a season without earning any money. So those right. are, the, and, the, and they're the majority. And that's why you see year in or not year in year out, but every time there seems to be an argument, you see, you see the big push by the veterans. Yeah. Save your money, hold, stay in your ground. But then it comes time to vote and they're, they're willing to take any little consideration that the owners give them uh, as some sort of a win. And it's not. And I just don't see this impacting uh, positionally. And I don't think the the owners. Well, obviously, the owners don't want that to happen either. They're fine uh, with 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 the pay scale when it comes to running backs, uh, because they know that, that that they're more more likely than not going to throw them on the scrap pile after four, four, four seasons. And the union is never going to draw that line in the sand to stand up for just running backs. You know, they're never going to cause a lockout over that. You know, it just, it's a small section of the general players at large. And so it's not, they, they get on their soapbox for the big issues that affect every single player. So my only thought in terms of how this changes is that if a truly generational running back comes around, like in someone who's AP in his prime, let's just say B. John Robinson becomes the next you know, can't miss Hall of Fame running back and he gets paid a ton of money and that just naturally begins to boost and increase the market as players fall behind. Um, that's about the only way I, only way I can think of the market actually really increasing. Well, they'll have to do something with the franchise tag too. They'll have to get that done done away with. You know, that, yeah, that, that would be a major true. win for the players regardless of position as well too. And once again, I don't see the owners being right. willing to budge budge on that stuff. It, it would really take uh, owners getting hit hard in the pockets by losing a season or something along those lines uh, before any uh, get huge gains. You know, I, I put it to you this way: I don't expect to see any of that in my lifetime. You know? When the NFL inevitably goes to an 18 game season, what do you think the owners will have to give up? Because it felt like to go to 17 games, they basically got rid of the marijuana policy, at least not suspending guys over it. 
what do you think the concession would have to be to go to 18 games, which is a logical conclusion of where this thing's headed. Yeah, I haven't given that a lot of thought, but I would think something along the lines of maybe trying to get uh, restricted free agency eliminated. Okay. You know, yeah, I can uh, see that. Uh, might, might be a, a start uh, there or uh, uh, making it where players can vest quicker, you know, for, for, yeah. for benefits. Some, probably something along those lines. You, you're going to have me putting these people to sleep here. <laughs> let's you, all break out the CBA and let's yeah, start reading you're, it. You're right on my wheelhouse right now, but that's <laughs> not very entertaining for, 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 for everybody else here. But uh, it, I, I would think that it might be something related to that. And then obviously too, if you're going to add another game, I, I think the players should fight hard for uh, an extra bye week. You know? Yeah, that's what Matthew's saying right now. That I think that'll definitely occur, but there probably have to be more concessions. But yeah, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm taking us down a rabbit hole. Let's all class. Let's turn I to mean, page I, I, four, I, I, we, paragraph we can go three. Two hours on this, if you <laughs> want to, but uh, I, don't, I don't think the listeners would like that. Yeah. Bottom line is, when they go to 18 games, the franchise tag is too big for for the owners to to give that up. That won't be the concession. It'll be something smaller than that. So. Because look, look at the franchise tag even, and, and you know, we're talking, you know, a lot of us think uh, obviously that Alex Heisman is going to get a deal mm-hmm. uh, done, but you can, you know, he's, he, he, he's, he's, uh, in, in his what fourth year now. Right. So uh, he's still under contract. And even if he, if he doesn't get a deal, uh, you know, the Steelers are not afraid and, and, teams across the NFL in general really are not afraid to, 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 to uh, wave that franchise tag sword and say, look, this is what you're making this year. This is the max that we can make you earn the next two years on, on a, on a back-to-back franchise tag because of 120 rule, 120 rule on top of there. This, if you, if you don't take, you know, our best offer, and if you think that's not fair, then, Sit back in, in, in Alex Highsmith's uh, uh, case this year, okay? Go ahead and play for the two point, what is it, seven million or whatnot uh, this year. And we hope you have a great season. We hope you stay healthy. But what if you don't? Mm. Yo, yep. uh, whereas you know we could pay you a, a, a you know a fair market value right now. Obviously, not going to be top of the market, and you can get that fat signing bonus. And and even though they're probably not going to guarantee anything more than the first year, the signing bonus and the and the first year base, uh, the Steelers have a long history of paying out lucrative contracts over time. So while it's not you know the first two or three years are obviously aren't technically fully guaranteed, they're virtually guaranteed you know, overall. So, and, and that's just a, a weapon that, that, that the owners are able to use when it comes to the franchise tag. Maybe it's a weapon. It's a sure. weapon that's used against the players uh, to save the owner's money. Maybe you get rid of the dual franchise tag, the back to back as one small concession as any part of uh, any part of any future negotiation. But, we'll but even, even if that's the case, then and if Alex Heisman doesn't like sure. the and, and look, I, I'm not I'm not thinking that the Steelers, the Steelers are obviously going to try to strike the best deal for them. But I, on the flip side, I don't think they're going to 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 cheat Alex Highsmith there. Mm-hmm. They're just going to properly use the weapons at their disposal in the negotiations here. And even if you didn't have the back-to-back uh, tag possibility there, uh, Alex Highsmith could still be put in a situation right. where, you know, he's, he's playing for 2.7 million and boy, he better stay healthy and he better have a you know, 15, 16 sack season or else he's not going to cash in uh, uh, after you know, the, the first franchise tag. 
Yeah, I'm not saying that would solve the issues, but just in terms of concessions and maybe helping out, because that happened with Le'Veon Bell, where there was the threat of the, the two tags, you know, so mm-hmm. just small things like that, maybe some of those steps. All right, let's get back into the Steelers questions here. Jonathan Stevens says, do you think Trey Norwood makes the 53 promising rookie year, then regressed quite a bit? Not ideal for a bubble guy. Not ideal indeed. We'll see. I think he's squarely like a true on the, the very cusp of the bubble. Could go inside, could go outside, has to improve as a tackler. He can cover. I think he's a, you know, man coverage kind of guy, despite not being a great, you know, athletically toolsy guy, but he cannot tackle. He could not tackle last year. That's a big liability. Especially when it comes to your favorite topic, special teams, right? Yes, sir. Uh, if he's going to make this roster, especially as a backup uh, safety, he, he, he better come out of the shoot firing for Danny Smith. Mm-hmm. John Pennington, who beats Loudermilk out for a roster spot? Let's assume they keep six defense alignment. You're going to have, I'm going to call Benton the starter. So Ogunjobi, Benton, Hayward. We'll call Leal a defense alignment, although he may float. I think Watts will make it. That gets you five right there. And then you're kind of down to what? Bahoko, Adams, Loudermilk, maybe Jonathan Marshall, whoever else may emerge. And, and between Fajoko and Watts, you know, Fajoko is probably the more pure, mm-hmm. you know, uh, zero, zero. Right. You hear me, Dave? OBS yeah. is uh, weirdly disconnecting. But everybody, stream, you still got me for the couple minutes we have left. I think we're good. I think we're still streaming here. But uh, OBS shut off there for a brief second. Um, yeah, we'll see. But I think that's kind of my calculation of how this defensive line room could look. And a lot of them could still make the team, but he's going to need to have a really, he's like the Zach Gentry of a couple of years ago, where it's got to be a really big turnaround, you know, kind of a raw, tall guy coming out. He's going to have to put it together this season. Yeah. He, and he might need some help even on top of that. Yeah. You yeah. know. All right, let's see a couple more questions. 007 says, what's your opinion on Antonio Brown's team getting kicked out of the arena league? It's A.B. What did uh, what did Joe Clark say that had me laughing? Everything that A.B. touches turns to excrement was the, the, the word that he used. It's true. It's A.B. Nothing shocks me when it comes to A.B. Well, you don't you don't pay your bills, right? <laughs> yeah. Shocker. You get, you get, kicked you get evicted. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and he gets the boot there. Uh, Mike Adesso, have we arrived at the Pittsburgh Maulers portion of the chat? Yeah, I guess we have. Yeah, the Maulers in the championship game. So that's uh, this Saturday. We'll, we'll see if they can do it. I got to admit, I was entertained by the fourth quarter of that game the other night. What channel I was that on? Uh, what channel was it on? Uh, on a local channel? I, no, Peacock the Mallers game was on, I think, it was, was it on ESPN or Fox Sports 1, one or Fox. two? I don't remember what channel it was on. But I watched the entire fourth quarter of that. And uh, after they gave up, I, I, th- I thought they were doomed when they gave up that uh, that long touchdown pass, mm-hmm. uh, but there was a flag on the play, and then that was reviewed, and the face the the, the face mask call on the on on the right tackle was overturned, and then allowed that to be be a touchdown. I thought they were doomed that way, but uh, then they came back down and 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 obviously answered that with a score of their own there. So uh, good for them, you yeah. Know? Pretty wild game. Shout out to Ray Horton, former Steelers DB coach, turning that team around. And they were down to fourth and uh, what was it? Fourth and goal from what? The yards. 
Yeah, because they, they had a couple of penalty. They had a yeah. penalty in there, procedure call or something like that. So it, I mean, it literally they had to make one play in that game, and they made it to win yeah. it. Really, I think it was fourth and goal from the six, but they had like a fourth and long earlier in the drive. I want to say something like that. It was a penalty. Yeah, they. And I kind of question they ran that fake punt too. Mm-hmm. Uh, did Did you see that uh, uh, portion in there? Uh, it was like uh, I don't know what was it fourth and two or fourth and three, and instead of just putting your offense out there, which would probably give you a, a higher percentage of maybe picking it up, they tried to run that fake punt right up the middle and and, and didn't get it. Mm. All right, uh, Alex Kennedy bouncing off his super chat says, uh, "I'm a total Tomlin guy, but if we got seven and nine, is there any head coach you would instantly take over Tomlin?" Again, I don't think about that much. I mean, who would I have ranked ahead of Tomlin? Andy Reid, obviously, just based on on the results and his offensive acumen. So that's yeah, one but he's name. not going to be um, he's not going to be available. You know. Yeah, I, I guess it, it sounds more hypothetical. I don't know if this is a hypothetical of just ranking coaches or actually in terms of brass tacks. If you were to fire him, who would you hire? I don't know which way Alex is going with that uh, that question there. If it's the latter, about who would you realistically get? I have no earthly idea. I do not think about that stuff yeah, uh, right now. I don't either. B. Eric McDay, do you think the Steelers can get 20 rushing touchdowns? What were they at last year? I don't. That's a good question. I don't know how many they had in 2022 and what know, the history. I know Kenny had a, had a few of them. Mm-hmm, uh, two in the Jets game. So I'll, I'll pull this up real quick here. Yeah. Can they get to 20? It'd be, I'd probably be, be pushing it to get to that many, but improve this red zone offense, improve this offense overall, get a couple of splash plays to get you in the goal to go situations. Maybe they could. They had with six, it. 16 rushing touchdowns last okay. season. Najee had seven. Uh, Warren had one. Kenny had three. Benny Snell football had that one. Uh, Trubisky had two, so they had five, mm. Uh, mm. Uh, five out of their quarterbacks. Uh, Pickens had that one on that on that uh, shovel That's kind sweet. of shovel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, Derek Derek Watt had one. Okay, yeah. Then I think twenties possible. They, be- they better have twenty. Let's put it to you, to yeah. you that when, when looking at last year's numbers and looking at the strides and and how this team's expected to uh, to play some bully ball, especially when they get down in the low red zone area there. Uh, I'll be disappointed if it's just 20, to be honest with you. I'd like to see that number around 25, to be honest with you. Yeah, or just better red zone play. You know, if that's play action, you do some some getting uh, into the end zone some ways that way. I mean, they've been the 23rd ranked red zone offense in each of the last two years. That is not acceptable. They got to be, I'd like them to be in the top 10. I think they're capable of that. So however you do that is good with me. All right, Dave, I think we're out of questions here, so I want to thank the chat for joining us tonight. I know things were pretty slow, and they will be for a couple more of these live streams until training camp begins, and then we'll have to figure out the training camp live stream schedule. It's going to be a bit bumpier, I think, to do that, but I'll have to check um, how camp is looking. So I want to thank you guys for being here, for sending the super chats, and watching, and liking, and subscribing. Please be sure to do all those things if you have not done so already. And Dave, thank you for being here with us tonight. Uh, thank you for putting this on. I apologize for going down the CBA rabbit hole uh, too much and talking too long about contracts and all. And thank you for everybody on this uh, slow Monday for showing up and listening to us. And peace and love, everybody. There will be an archive version of the live stream on Steelers Depot in just a little bit. So if you missed the portion or want to listen back, you guys can check that out. Again, thank you guys for being here. Let me uh, just get ready to exit for today. 
Again, the Kenny Pickett video coming out soon on the channel and on Steelers Depot, so be sure to look out for that. Again, thank you guys for watching and listening, and we'll talk to you soon.